Well, last week you will remember that Brother Mike preached on my behalf since uh, we had just gotten back from some time away. And so it's been a couple of weeks now since we've been in this study of the Sermon on the Mount and in Chapter 7. So I just want to remind us real quick what we've been talking about and what we've addressed and what we've dealt with. The chapter began by Christ saying to his disciples, Judge not that ye be not judged. And we know this, but I just want to remind us that we live in a culture that has taken this verse violently out of context. And they are assuming and they are suggesting that you and I are not supposed to call anything wrong, that we're not supposed to call anything wicked. And they say that if we do believe anything is absolutely wrong and absolutely ungodly, then we're just judgmental haters, bigots, and all sorts of other names to define us. And I tried to remind us what the context of the Scripture is uh, declaring, that you and I are not allowed to judge people based upon our preferences. Whenever the Bible is silent, whenever the Scripture is silent, you and I are not supposed to be judgmental and, and critical of other people, but where the Word of God has already spoken and where the Word of God has declared that which is right and that which is wrong, then you and I do have the right to say something, and you and I many times need to say something. It was with that in mind that he went on to say, to the disciples that they are hypocrites when they want to try to address the problems in other people's lives, but they don't want to address the problems in their own lives. And as obvious as that should be, it is a struggle sometimes, is it not? You can go around in life saying, well, they need to work on this, and they need to take care of this, and why don't they do this, and if they would just fix this, and many times there's got to be someone looking at us and hearing us saying all those things, saying, yeah, why don't they? Yeah, why don't they? And uh, many times we're very hypocritical in our approach, and that's not the right attitude, and that's not the right spirit. But then last week, or two weeks ago rather, we were in verse number 6, and Christ said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before the swine. And certainly some amount of judgment has to take place if you're going to define someone as a dog or a wild pig. And he said, don't give that which is holy or that which is sacred to the dogs. Don't give that which is valuable to the swine. There's a good reason for it. They will not appreciate it and they will not value it. And obviously Christ was not saying literally don't give sacred things to dogs and don't give pearl to swine because you and I would never dream of doing such a thing. But sometimes we are guilty of taking the sacred, precious, valuable, priceless word of God and giving it to people who don't value it, who don't honor it, who don't have any respect for it. And he said, when you do that, he said, lest they trample them under their feet, which would again show no respect for it and no value to it. He said, and turn again and rend you. He said, so if you offer that which is valuable and that which is priceless or that which is of great worth to those who don't appreciate it, many times it will cause those people to turn on you and attack you and we've all experienced that sometimes. We've, we've all had those moments where we've taken the precious word of God and we have given it to someone and, and they just weren't of a spirit to receive it. And they didn't want to hear it. and They didn't want to accept it. And uh, many times it causes them to turn on us. And there has to be some discernment on our part. There has to be some judgment on our part that would say something like this from time to time. You know what? They're not going to appreciate it. And it's only going to cause more problems for me to say something. So right now, at least, I need to keep my mouth shut. And sometimes we do need to keep our mouth shut. It is just that simple. Now tonight we're going to be looking at a few more verses of Scripture that are pretty familiar to many of us. We'll get to them in just a couple of moments. But I, I want to begin by asking you uh, to think about this because it is true of all of us. Whether we mean for it to be or not, it is true of all of us. And that is this. 
we many times operate with a certain level of expectation on people and things. Would you agree with that? Even if we don't want to have expectations, even if we don't want to have a certain standard set in our mind, we still find ourselves having an expectation of people and things. And so let me explain just real quick what I mean by that. I'm just going to use one illustration to to talk about this. Think about a new car. Some of us have bought brand new cars over the course of our lives, and in doing so, we have a certain level of expectation when we buy that car, correct? In buying that brand new car, we assume that it's not going to overheat on the way home. In buying that brand new car, we assume that we could be able to get in it and and begin to drive cross country if we wanted to and, and not experience any kind of mechanical problems. Because it's a brand new car, we expect the air conditioner to blow cold or the heater to blow hot. We expect the radio to come on and the CD player to work. Whenever you and I buy a brand new car, we expect the transmission to shift smoothly. There are just so many things that we expect naturally because this is a brand new car. However, if you've done like what many of us have done and you buy the old car with 130,000 miles on it, there are certain things that you ought not expect of it. You ought not be surprised when the thing overheats even though the person said, oh, I take great care of this car and I baby this little cream puff of mine. If the car is 10 years old and it's got 130,000 miles or 150,000 miles, whatever it may be, you you can't expect it necessarily to function like a brand new car. The transmission is probably not going to be as smooth as a brand new car. The CD player may not work as as correctly. Let me rephrase that. The cassette player may not work like it did when it was brand new. And, And there are just going to be some things about that older model car that you cannot expect of a brand new car. Now, again, here's the principle that I want us to think about. You and I live according to a certain measure of expectation. Whether we should or not, we do. But if we're going to do that, then we must have some realistic expectations. We must have some expectations that actually makes sense and that are not too high or not too lofty for the things that it is we're dealing with. Now, I say all that to say this or to begin introducing the text. Tonight we come to verse number 7. Verse number 7, we read these familiar words, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, verse 7, and I'm going to say this a couple of times throughout this passage, verse number 7, like many other verses in Scripture, it is not a standalone portion of Scripture. You cannot take verse number 7 and just begin applying that to your life however you want because many times, here's what we'll find, is people do do that with verse number 7. They say things like this, Well, the Scripture says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And here's what they like to do. They like to present that as God's blank check with his signature on it for you to achieve or to obtain or to to take into your possession whatever it is you want out of life. And verse number 7 is not a blank check from God promising us that we will get whatever we want in life. 
The scripture is also not indicating in verse number 7 that if we harass God long enough, he'll finally give in because he's tired of hearing us. There are some who would be of the mindset, and there are some who are of the persuasion. And I understand the terminology and, and, the, and the grammar behind this, or the, or the, or the, uh, the not the English, but, but the, I guess not the grammar, but oh, somebody help me. What would it be? The, the tenses of it, okay? Somebody would say something like this, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Now, again, the Bible, if you look in the Scripture, does encourage us and it does tell us to be persistent in our prayer life. You and I are supposed to be persistent in our prayer life. You and I can't say something like this, well, I prayed about it one time and the Lord didn't answer, so obviously He didn't want me to have it. That's not how the prayer life is supposed to look. I understand that you and I are supposed to ask and we're supposed to seek and we're supposed to knock. And many times we need to show some persistence about our prayer life. And, and many times we're supposed to show some seriousness about our prayer life. But again, I want us to understand this, that you and I do not need to have the mindset or be of the mindset that we can harass God long enough until he finally gives us what we want. Now, I say that for this reason. Christ is setting up a thought and Christ is setting up a principle that he wants us to think about and he wants us to deal with. And, and again, we don't always see this looked at according to context, but here is what I believe Christ is going to begin showing us that when we deal with relationships, you and I also operate or function with a certain measure of expectation. Would you agree that as we have relationships with people, we do so with a certain level of expectation on the people we're dealing with? So as I deal with you, whether or not I should, I have a certain level of expectation of you. As you deal with me, I would assume that many of you have a certain level of expectation with me. And, and, and whether or not we should, we do and it seems as though that is a natural part of man in their dealings with other men, other women. So here is Christ, and he says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now notice what he says in verse number 8. For everyone that seeketh, asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now, again, somebody would say, well, then what is that teaching, if it's not teaching, that, that you get whatever you want so long as you keep asking and seeking and knocking? Well, notice what he says in verse number 11, okay? In verse number 11, he says this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Now, now what is Christ saying? He is saying this, is that God is going to give us that which is good for us or that which is helpful for us, that which is beneficial to us. God is not going to give me something that would hurt me or something that would harm me. Now, have there been times where God has allowed me to get my way when he tried to close the door, but I refused to let the door stay closed? He's let me get in my way. Has he ever let you get your way? Uh, if he's ever let you get your way on something he had tried to tell you no before, if it's been like my experiences, here's what I've noticed, that whenever he lets me go ahead and get my way, it doesn't usually turn out like I thought it was going to turn out. 
there have been more than a few occasions where I have asked and I have sought and I have not, and he said no, but I just kept on and I thought, well, if you won't, the creditor will. Well, if you won't, I, I can take care of this myself. And, and he's allowed me to get some things that he was not the one who gave to me. And I promise you, it was a, there was a reason for why he did not allow me or want to be the one who gave it to me. I have regretted many things that I have done that he was not responsible for. But here is Christ, and he says to the disciples, Ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be opened, it shall be given, it shall be granted. But he says in verse number 11 that the Father which is in heaven is going to give good things to them that ask him. Now, here's what I want us to think about. Does this really surprise us in our relationship with God? Well, not if we know who God is. If you and I know who God is, then we know that God wants what is best for us. If you and I know who God is, then we know that God wants to give us exactly what we need, when we need it, but really many times, not any time before that. So here is God, and he's, he is being, it is being said of him by Christ that he is going to give that which is good to us. He would never give us something that would hurt us. And so this would be the expectation that we have of God, that God would only give to us that which would be good for us. That's our expectation in this relationship. Christ has expounded on this in this text because he says it's true even of us in our relationship with our children. Notice in verse number 9. He says, Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? He said, how many of you disciples and how many of you people, how many of you would be of this nature or would be of this spirit that if your son asked for bread, you would give him a stone? Well, obviously we wouldn't do that unless we were some kind of a jerk. If my son comes to me and says, Dad, I'm hungry and I need bread, I'm not going to say to him, we've got some gravel outside, go eat up. That is not what Nathan would expect of me. And what Nathan is going to expect of me is that if he were to ask bread of me, that I would give him bread. And if one of the kids came to me and said, Dad, I'm hungry and I would love to have some fish, I'm not going to give him a serpent, which in their day would have been an unclean animal, something that they were supposed to stay away from. So I would not give something to my children that would be a hurt to them. And again, my children would never have the expectation that I better watch it because Dad may try to slip a fast one on me. Does this make sense? There is this expectation by way of relationship that when we ask something of our father or if we were to ask something of our mother, a child would naturally expect that dad and mom are going to give to me that which is good and that which is right and that which would be helpful. And the Lord said in verse number 11, he said, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven Give good things to them which ask him or that ask him. And so what is Christ saying? He is saying this. Listen, if you are sinful, fallen men and you know how to give good gifts and you know how to give right gifts, 
then how much more do I know how to give good gifts? How much more do I know to give you exactly what you need when you need it? So we go through life, and even as a child, we have expectations of our parents. Whether we should or not, we did. Every child in here, I don't care how small they are, there is a certain measure of expectation that dad and mom will be good to me. Dad and mom will take care of me. Dad and mom will do right by me. And that same measure of expectation as a child of God dwells within us when we deal with our Heavenly Father. God, I am asking you, and God, I am seeking this, and God, I am knocking, and God, I am coming to you, and as I come to you, I have this expectation that you are going to do right by me. That you would not do anything that would hurt me. That you would not do anything that that would cause a problem in my life. God, you will not intentionally hurt me. Now, we know that God allows things to happen. I want that to be clear. We know that God allows things to happen sometimes that are hurtful and that are painful. But it's not because he's doing it to hurt us or to bring pain into our lives. Do we understand this? All right, so... This expectation is in place in our hearts and minds and in our logic from uh, from a, a young, young stage of life. This is what we expect to be true. This is what we assume would be true. These are our expectations. Now, as that is so, I want us to think about this. As I said a moment ago, all of us, operate with expectations in relation to other people. I have an expectation of you. Surely that doesn't surprise you. I expect people to behave themselves certain ways. I expect people who identify themselves as Christians to to handle themselves in certain ways. I just... I I have this expectation that certain things will be done because they are a Christian, at least in name. Many of you tonight, whether you'd admit this or not, you have expectations of the people you work with. Don't you? If you go to work tomorrow and you have your coworkers beside you or near you, You are expecting certain things of them. We expect certain things of just people in general that we don't even know specifically. We have these expectations. Now this evening as we've looked at 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, notice the first word in verse number 12. The first word in verse number 12 is this, Therefore, Now, I'm not an English major, but I do know this. If you read the word, therefore, you can know that it attaches verse number 12 to the previous statements that have been made. Okay, then there's an old saying and an old cliche that probably some of you have heard, but it goes something like this, that in the scripture, when you read the word, therefore, you need to figure out what it is there for. 
So in verse number 12, you have to immediately say to yourself, okay, I understand that because of the word therefore, it connects itself to the previous statements, verses 7 through 11. Okay, then I have to ask myself, so why did Christ say this, and what is verse number 12? Therefore, what is the purpose of this? Well, notice what he says. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now what is Christ saying in verse number 12? He is saying this, Of all the things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, that is what you do even so to them. What do you want people to do to you? Then do that to them. What do you expect others to do? How do you expect others to be? How do you expect others to, to handle themselves? The kind of conduct that you expect others from them. What is it that you expect from them? Well, whatever you would expect from them, Christ says, do ye even so to them. Think about this. You expect your spouse to be loving. Then be ye loving. You expect your spouse to be compassionate. Then be ye compassionate. Ye expect your children to be of a soft spirit. Do we not? I want you to have a soft spirit. I want you to have a humble spirit, child. I want you to, I want you to be a respectful child to your, to your parents, to your dad, to your mom, whoever it may be doing the talking. That is what we expect from you, okay? Then this is what, if this is what you expect of your child, then this is what you should show them. And this is what you should give them. The child expects the parents to trust them, then give them what they need to trust you. You go to work and you expect the co-worker to be honest, then what do you need to be to them honest with them? You expect the co-worker to be a hard worker, so what must you be with them? You must be a hard worker. You expect the co-worker to do this. You expect your employees to do this. You expect your subordinates to do this. Then what must you do? If you are going to expect this of them, then you better be willing to give it whatever it may be to them. Because here's what we're not allowed to do. We're not allowed to have unreasonable expectations of others. Amen. Think about this. As a child, my expectation was, Dad will give me bread and not a stone. Dad will give me a fish and not a serpent. Now, obviously not those exact thoughts and those exact words, but my thoughts were, Dad is going to do right by me. That is my expectation. As I have grown and as I've become a child of God and as I've matured in my walk with the Lord, my assumption is and my belief and my conviction is this. God is going to take care of me and God is going to give me what I need as I pursue Him and as I, uh, as I request things and, and as I try to seek His will for my life. 
God is going to give me what I need. That is how I go through life. Certain expectations on people. And so as I deal with those around me, not in the family realm necessarily, not in the spiritual realm certainly, but if I am going to go through life with certain expectations on people, then I must understand this. There are certain expectations on me. And it is not fair and it is not right to hold a certain expectation on this person if I am not willing to do it myself. How can I? It's like buying an old clunker and expecting it to run flawlessly like a new one. It's not fair. It's not right. It doesn't make any sense. So then how could I expect someone to live above what I am willing to give them? How, listen, how could I expect you to care about your walk with God if I don't care about my walk with God? It's very simple, is it not? Now, I know that there are many times preachers who would stand in the pulpit and try to explain to the people you need to work on your relationship with the Lord, and they themselves are not. I understand that. But it is foolish for a preacher to think that people are going to rise in their walk with the Lord and in their dedication and their level of commitment if they themselves are not striving to do the same thing. How could I say to you this evening, listen, you really need to be in the Word this week and you really need to be a person of prayer. How could I expect that of you if I'm not going to be that kind of individual myself? That would be an unrealistic expectation. That's not how I'm supposed to function. That's not how I'm supposed to work. My expectations must be realistic. And in doing so, I can't expect more of you than I'm willing to put forth myself. How can I expect Susie to respect me if I don't show her respect? A lot of men try that approach, and most men don't get it. Many men walk around like they're still a part of the Stone Age and they're knuckle-draggers and they're cavemen and they want to boss and they want to demand and they want to tell and they want to dictate and they want to give orders and they can't figure out why the wife isn't responding too well. Yeah, I don't know why that would be the case. Because you have unrealistic expectations. You are not willing to do for them what you would expect them to do for you. Ladies might say something like this. I don't know why he doesn't love me like he once did. It could sometimes be because you no longer respect him like you once did. Well, I would respect him if he loved me. Hold on. We don't get to pick and choose who has to start first. Well, I'll love him as soon as he 
Or I'll respect him as soon as he loves me. Well, I'll love her as soon as she respects me. No, no, no. See, we got that all wrong. We're expecting someone else to do something before we start doing it. And Christ says that's not how it works in relationships. You don't expect more of someone than you are willing to give yourself. I'm amazed that parents will say something like this. Kid, don't talk that way. Where do you think the child learned to talk that way? They picked up on it somewhere. Don't you talk to your mom that way. Dad, I just said what you said. Don't act like that doesn't happen. Don't expect your child to speak differently than you speak and that you lead by way of example. Don't don't expect more of that. Don't expect more than that if you're not willing to put more into it. I better not ever hear that word come out of your mouth again. It comes out of your mouth over and over again. We can't expect more from the child than we're willing to give them by way of an example. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. You want them to speak with respect and you want them to speak with decency and you want them to speak with some manner of of manners? Listen, if that's what you would expect of them from them, then you need to show them how to do it by giving it to them, even your children. What do you want the work environment to look like tomorrow? What do you want the spirit of your co-workers to be? Do you want them working well together? Do you want there to be a good sense of camaraderie? Do you want there to be a high morale amongst the co-workers? Is that what you want? Okay, if that's what you want from them, then guess what you've got to contribute when you go to work tomorrow? A positive morale. You've got to work on the camaraderie yourself. You've got to work on developing that yourself because you can't expect them to rise to a level that you're not willing to take yourself. You want that cashier at Walmart to be friendly? What do you need to be? Friendly. Silly little girl, didn't even know how to speak. Well, did you speak? Well, no. Well, hold on. You can't expect the silly little girl or the silly little boy to give you any more than you're willing to give them. That's an unrealistic expectation. 
What is Christ saying? He is saying this. In our relationships, we need to understand that before we could expect anything from this person, there are certain things that need to be true of us. So it doesn't matter if it's in your marriage. It doesn't matter if it's with your children. It doesn't matter if it's with your parents. It doesn't matter if it's with fellow church members. It doesn't matter if it's with fellow co-workers. It doesn't matter if we're talking about random people in general in our culture and in our society. I cannot expect any more from anyone else than I expect of myself and am willing to give to them. This is where the golden rule comes in. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You and I are not allowed to sit around and wait on them before we start. You and I are not allowed to sit around and say, Well, I used to try, but they don't, so I'm not trying anymore. That's not the right attitude. That's not the right spirit. That's not the right approach. The attitude should be this. What do I want from them? then that's what I've got to be willing to give. I have to be willing to do unto others everything that I would want them to do to me or for me. And notice what he said in the last part of verse number 12. He said, for this is the law and the prophets. Isn't it amazing how the scripture overlaps from time to time? You know, here's Christ and he says to the disciples, you know, when you began treating people the way you want to be treated, that's when you fulfill the law and the prophets. When you begin to love your neighbor as yourself, everything else begins to take care of itself. So if you will do for others what you expect them to do for you, when you begin operating that way and when you begin functioning that way, then you will begin accomplishing what the law has instructed and what the prophets have declared. So here's what we've got to ask ourselves tonight. It's a simple question, but rather painful if we're honest. How many times do I have unreal expectations of other people? They're not realistic. How many times am I expecting far too much of this individual, not because I've just got too high of demands for them, but I am expecting so much more of them than I am willing to require of myself. It happens, doesn't it? We expect this, we expect this, we expect this, we expect this. Okay, that's fine. But when did you give this, 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 and this? We must have realistic expectations of others in our relationships with them and our dealings with them. And if we're not willing to do it, we, can't be, we cannot be willing to ask it of them. So think about it. The next time you get upset, the next time you get mad, the next time you're about to, to, to blow your top, ask yourself, now hold on, have I led by example? Have I given them everything they needed to want to respond in the right way? Or have I given them everything they have needed to not want to respond in the right way? It's kind of important.
Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight in our relationships. Certainly not trying to re-preach the message, but God, would you help us tonight to not expect more of anyone else than we would expect.